Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, the podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times. And in today's episode, I'm doing a solo cast about apathy. And if you don't care about apathy, well, guess what? It might be apathetic. Be careful. Be careful. Apathy is something really sinister and I think far more dangerous than we understand and give credit to. And so that's why I made this episode. I had so much to say, and I said as much as I could, but I do feel like this is going to be an ongoing conversation that we're going to have to unpack together because it is so insidious and is so pervasive that it's it's impacting us all in ways that I think it's hard to calculate, to measure, to understand. But the more that we talk about it, the more that we'll be able to identify, oh, yes, I'm being apathetic now, or, oh, yes, this is a decision that society's making based on our apathy. Like, the existence of porn in the first place is only possible because of apathy. So I unpack this. It is a solo cast. Sit down, relax. Enjoy a delicious bubbly or non-bubbly, caffeinated or non-caffeinated beverage on the house. Let's go. All right, everybody, welcome back. And Daru in the house. And I'm going to do another solo cast today because, well, first of all, I like them. <laughs> I like doing these. When, 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 the, when the mood strikes, you know, when there's an accumulation of need, I just have to get these episodes out. And some things are, I think, in my opinion, better discussed with Benji. And we're happy to do as many of those episodes as we are alive, you know, so long as we are on this earth. And in spirit realm, you know, we'll just keep on making podcasts. But you can go inside of our podcast and swim around in them or something. I don't know. I don't understand spirit world. But we have a, a lot of episodes kind of in the pipeline coming for you and guests and all that. But stuff like this. Uh, I want to really take a personal stab at answering the question and doing a deep dive together with you. And I hope you can join me on a journey because this one, this episode is all about apathy. And apathy, is, it's such a jerk. I really hate apathy. And I want to get into it. I want to unpack it as best I can because it's so sinister and it's so pervasive and it's so invisible. You know, and without a, a deeper understanding and a, a, an awareness of how to identify it and what to do next, then it can easily just sink its little teeth into your life and slowly siphon energy and vitality from you without you even knowing it. It's kind of like, you know, a tire with, like in a car, a, a car tire with a very small leak. That isn't like you wake up the next day and it's not like the whole tire's flat. But over the course of days and weeks and months, you don't really notice until one day you look at your tire and you're like, whoa, that looks flat. And you didn't know, but little by little, your fuel mileage was going down. You're actually much less safe, especially in the winter. You know, like you had this thing occurring that was taking 
your safety, your, you know, the vitality of the car, everything away from you, but you didn't notice because it didn't happen all at once. It's very sneaky. And I really feel like apathy is the same thing, okay? So let's attack apathy together. And I recently got into a conversation with somebody about their own apathy, and he's really confounded by it because it's apathy is such a, it's such a jerk because when you're apathetic, you can even know that you're apathetic and be so apathetic about your own apathy that you don't even want to do anything about it. You're like, yeah, I don't care. And I don't care that I don't care. How messed up is that? Not this person, but all of us. We all find ourselves in that situation every once in a while. And it's kind of disturbing, right? So the first thing that I wanted to discuss about apathy is its subversive nature. It's, in my opinion, much more insidious than heightened negative emotions. When you're really angry or you're really resentful, eventually you will not be able to function because if you're always angry all the time, something's going to happen. You're going to have some health issue, right? You'll pop a blood vessel in your head from all the anger. You're going to lose your voice from all the yelling. You'll break your hand from punching the wall or something. You'll lose a relationship because you keep on snapping. Something will take place very clearly if you hold on to that anger. And so those emotions, they're not necessarily negative, but in the wrong place at the wrong time and held for long enough, obviously do become strong negative elements in somebody's life. But apathy can exist for years in small doses. You can be a functional apathetic human in our society. In fact, it's a survival mechanism for many people, right? And in the right context, you kind of have to, have, have to be apathetic. In the case of, let's say, world hunger, if you focused on the suffering of all people around the world all the time equally, human trafficking, all these things, you'd, you'd die. It's just too much for any one person to handle, honestly. You have to take a break from caring intentionally, which is, I guess, in a way, a form of apathy in order to focus your attention on what you can do to help some aspect of our society. But in reality, apathy hops around and skips around and infiltrates pretty much every aspect of our life. Think about money. Sometimes you realize, oh man, I need more money. And then other times you're like, ah, yeah, I'll buy a $6 coffee at this chain of coffee places. I'm not going to give them free advertisement, right? And then all of a sudden, I've seen so many people who claim to be broke college kids drinking $6 beverages from a coffee chain that we all know. And I'm like, huh, broke is relative, I guess, right? So that's like monetary apathy. There's relational apathy where maybe you have a friend who's struggling and they struggle all the time and you just don't care anymore. You just don't care about their struggles. It's just too much. It's just too annoying. I just don't care. I wipe my hands clean from them, right? And then there's personal apathy. That can be in the realm of faith. You know, so many people become apathetic with religion because they've struggled with their own religion or with the people who represent their religion, their church, community, whatever, and they just resign themselves to not caring. I just don't care. That's apathy. It could be about 
your physical health. We all know that we're supposed to eat well, and we know that we're supposed to exercise, and yet many of us don't. In fact, most Americans don't. And I would say, looking around the world, most people don't, from my travels. We always make fun of Americans being unhealthy, but in fact, most people these days are very unhealthy. If you factor in sleep habits, eating habits, exercise habits, very few of us are doing what we should be doing. Why? Because of apathy. Now, even back in the day, Jesus knew about this, right? He talked about being lukewarm as being something tremendously bad. He said, be hot or be cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And the divine principle, we have something called the midway position, which is something to be avoided, right? Just be good or be bad. Just be something, but don't be mamby-pamby about it. Don't be stuck in the middle because that is where all the problems arise. Okay? This is apathy. In a way, it's talking about apathy. And so let me describe the feeling of apathy. It's the feeling of not wanting to do anything about your lot in life. So if it's general apathy, and this is kind of what I'm talking about with, with the person that I'm talking to, is the feeling of, oh, with their sexual integrity, I, I just don't care. I know I should care about not watching porn. I know I should stop. I do have a conscience. I just don't care what my conscience says. My conscience is foggy. It's kind of like, have you ever seen that picture of, I think it's, who is it? Adam and God in the Sistine Chapel. It's a painting by Michelangelo. And you look at God is like stretching out. It's a he, it's a bearded man, of course, back in the day. And he, God is reaching out his finger. And then Adam is like, eh. His, his finger's kind of like, meh, I don't know, meh. That, in a nutshell, is humanity's attitude towards God. It's like, yeah, I know you exist, but can you give me a million dollars? I want to be a millionaire. I don't really care about your feelings, right? This is a foggy conscience. And when we're in that state, we make really bad decisions because we just don't care. I think I've mentioned it in this podcast before. Here's a story. I knew a guy who had a really strong sex addiction it went it started with porn and it would escalate into very risky and terrible forms of porn and then it would actually manifest into acting out with paid prostitutes you know like it was a, it was a really gnarly thing and i knew this person really well and sometimes i would visit them where they lived and i could tell by the state of their car how dirty it was, and specifically what type of food wrappers were in the back seat or not, I could tell if he was in a state of complete disrepair and apathy. So when he was doing well in life and he was living with sexual integrity, his car was spotless and he's very orderly and very, you know, just neat and tidy inside and outside the car. And when he was struggling, I could I look in his car, look in his back seat, and I would see junk food wrappers and seven eleven hot dogs, which to me is, you know, borderline suicidal, you know, eating that stuff because it's there's you know that there's not a single ingredient of value in that concoction, whatever it claims to be food. But I'm saying this because 
when he was already in a free fall with his sexual integrity, then he would start to become apathetic about his food choices. He would start to become apathetic about his cleanliness choices, and his house would be reflected of that. So he'd have a messier house, and he would just stop caring about everything. Okay, this is why it's so important that we talk about apathy, because I, I want to get into a little bit of the science about it, but what it does is it you max out your ability to feel anything to the point where you feel like an empty shell of yourself. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt like, I know I'm me, I know I'm a person, I know I'm alive, but I don't feel a damn thing. I don't feel happy, I don't feel sad, I don't feel anything. I just feel numb. This numbness is, in a way, a casualty of our modern living. Okay, we live these hyper-stimulated lives where we can't go a second without checking our phones. You know, I was, I was talking to these little kids about phone addiction the other day, and I was like, you know, go to the bus stop and watch how few people can just stand and wait for a bus without checking their phone. They need some sort of stimulus, right? On the bus, everybody's plugged into something. They're either listening to some music or they're staring at their phone. They're doing something to stimulate them. They cannot just be in stillness. And if they have a dip in energy because they have bad sleep, then they need stimulus in the form of sugar or in the form of caffeine. So we're constantly getting these, you know, cues, these visual cues, that all, some form of stimulation from the outside world. And it causes us to be hyper-stimulated. We're over-stimulated. Okay, and it creates all these spikes of chemicals where we have this chemical imbalance that this, you know, we're just in a state of disrepair in a sense. Now, specifically with addiction to porn, I want to unpack this because it's very interesting to understand the process of why the result is invariably apathy for many people, okay? When you start to have any form of addiction, so that's behavioral or it's, you know, substance, what ends up happening is you start to associate that thing with a joy, with, with your joy. Like I, every time you start to panic in life, let's say you have a very difficult day at school and you look like a complete idiot in front of your class, maybe you raised your hand and you shouted out an answer with complete confidence and you're totally wrong and everybody laughs at you and it really stresses you out because you're a sensitive person. And you have a habit of going to porn for some form of escape. The stronger your bond to the addiction, the more that you want to run away from difficulty like that hypothetical situation I just mentioned, right? So you have this deep association with joy and with this activity. Let's call it porn, okay? Now, the other thing is you start to associate the rituals and the patterns and the routines that you do right before with this joy, okay? So you start to crave, I just want to be at home right now, right? Let's say you're having a really bad day. I just want to be at home. I just want to be in my room by myself. I just want to be kind of watching my phone. I know what I'll do when I get back. I'll just watch some videos. And obviously, you're going to end up in porn. This is because you've associated freedom 
and the dopamine spike that accompanies it with this activity. This is your freedom. But what's even crazier, and I used to give this talk when we first started giving high noon talks back in 2016, but it got too nerdy and sciencey, so I stopped giving this. But the crazy part of addiction is the more that you associate a specific activity, so a behavior or a substance, so porn or drinking, whatever, it doesn't matter. But we're, we, we talk about porn a lot, so let's focus on porn. The more that you associate joy and pleasure with this activity, the more that nothing else in your life can actually give you the same joy. So you start to kind of put this feeling on a pedestal. You're like, I want this. I need this. I need this because this is my, the only thing that I really, that makes me feel wonderful is porn. And it kind of mutes the pleasure that you get from other stuff because it not only doesn't compare to the super stimulus of porn, but your, your dopamine receptors, these little kind of, if you can imagine like a tube filled with a, 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 like a liquid. Let's like in the science movies, let's think of like a tube with green liquid. Well, that's, that's a tube that empties out every time you have a, like a, a pleasurable feeling that dopamine receptors kind of emptied out. And a super stimulus like porn like empties it out a lot to where you crash after the experience. You have this huge spike and it releases all this stuff, but now it's empty. And now you feel worse. You feel more alone. But the stronger the kind of association and the feeling of joy, actually, the more that you feel like everything else sucks. And what's even more, I want to go one, one layer deeper, is that you start to bond with this feeling. So you start to feel like, porn is there for you in a way that life isn't and so anything that gets in the way of you and porn becomes annoying so anybody who stops you from watching porn like your parents walking in on you like get out of here right or or you lose internet connection you start to get so angry why is my life like this right because all of this is a hindrance between you and your love this this false relationship that you have with porn so you've completely associated one activity with being this heightened sense of joy. Everything else kind of sucks compared to it. And if anything gets in the way of that thing, then now that's your enemy. And this is why you can see, you know, spouses. If one person is addicted to porn in a relationship, the other person becomes kind of a threat to their secret joy that they have with porn. And so even like massaging them and, and kissing them and even sometimes making love with them is a lessened experience compared to the experience they get with porn because they've bonded with fantasy and reality just annoys them. I hope this makes sense, right? So what you're doing ultimately is you're forming this really strong relationship with a super stimulus. It makes everything else muted. So... The rest of life, you know, sitting on a bench and eating an ice cream, yeah, it's okay, but it's really nothing compared to the joys I get with porn. Then everything else you can imagine kind of becomes grayscale or black and white. And this one area of your life is like hyper color. It's the brightest, most vivid color. So what do you do in that case, especially if you're feeling apathetic? 
So here's where I've really been working to kind of understand what, what is the best next step. First thing is to, instead of just trying to find a way to beat up apathy when it comes knocking on your door, that's kind of a losing battle because that's just a short-term reactive situational, you know, I, I guess plan. You could call it a plan, but it's not a plan. A real plan would be a framework that you want to live within. And I wanted to mention something to you that I was super inspired. I don't like this guy a lot, okay? I really don't because I feel like he's very one-dimensional and I and I, I mention him sparingly. But I occasionally listen to this one. His name is Dave Goggins, okay? And he swears a lot and he's very crass and he's crazy and I don't believe that he has a well-rounded life or anything, okay? I don't. So I'm not promoting that anybody listens to him at all. But I have a track of him. It's kind of like a remix that I listen to sometimes when I'm working out. And it's filled with profanities. And you can judge me if you want. And I, again, I'm not endorsing this dude. But the one thing that he said in this track that I listened to that has got me so transfixed is that in his life, he used to watch Rocky. And there's a, a scene where Rocky gets beat up by Apollo Creed and... Apollo raises his arms and then he kind of walks away because he thinks he won. And then Rocky gets back up and he's and and Dave Goggins was saying he 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 idolized this moment because just by Rocky getting back up, it's like he took the soul of Apollo Creed, meaning it's like he defeated him just because he showed that he was unbreakable. And this guy, Dave Goggins, was saying that he wanted to be like that, not like Rocky, but the person that would be able to endure anything and keep on getting back up. Not be the best at the world, not be the most famous or the richest, but be the person that won't be stuck down, that won't be caught on his back for good, tapping out, but that he'll always keep on fighting. And people, this is true parents. If you look at their entire you know, history, this has been from the time they're children up until now, they've been in this situation where whatever life throws at them, they don't stay down. And that was a huge reason why I found this faith and why I loved it so much because it gave me a framework. And I'm, I'm proposing this to you that last, last year, it was 2022, the summer of 2022, I decided to go all in on doing the most difficult things that I could, not backing down to any challenge in my life, and to get comfortable in the uncomfortable. That was my goal for the year. I don't know why, I don't know where it came from, but it just became like an urge, I need to do this. And it ended up being probably one of the most rewarding years of my life. And I didn't do everything that I wanted to do. There's still a lot of lessons that I need to learn. It wasn't like I'm, I'm the most changed person in the world, but it was a, a transformative year for myself and in my professional life and my family life because I just, got comfortable with the uncomfortable because I wanted to be at least that instead of comfortable with whatever, which to me is the middle ground, which is apathy, which is something that you want to stay away from as much as possible. And so this year of, of not wanting to become a millionaire, not wanting to get the perfect six pack abs or whatever we're told we were supposed to get, but instead to have a year 
where I'm completely okay with discomfort and I want to walk towards difficult conversations. I want to walk towards being a beginner in certain things and I'll figure it out. That led to so much joy. So if you live within a framework like that, people, my pitch to you is this, that when you're down and feeling like you don't want to give up, if you've committed to being uncomfortable, then you can understand the joys and the merit in something like apathy and facing your apathy. And, and let's say you're, you're having a bout of strong apathy. To say I'm apathetic and to commit to telling other people, you know what, today I don't care is actually quite a, an uncomfortable experience, but it's so rewarding because what you're doing is you're objectifying your apathy and you're not saying anymore that I am apathy, I am the embodiment of apathy, but it is passing through me and you're taking away a lot of its power. But you cannot do this again as a reaction. It won't have much merit. What will be the most impactful over the long term is if you've already committed to the process of being okay with discomfort for the sake of growth. And then part of that is calling apathy out when, when it comes. And it's fine, you know, to have it come and, and to, to talk about it. And in, in fact, it's, it's bound to come more or less at some point or another. You can't avoid it in this world to have some level of apathy. The point is, when it does come, you'll be ready if you've already pre-committed to the action of being uncomfortable with ap apathy by, by talking about it and making yourself uncomfortable. So you start associating discomfort with apathy instead of comfort. The problem that many of us face is we're way too comfortable in our own suffering, wallowing in our own misery. And because of that, we welcome it back. It comes knocking on our door like, oh, you again, yeah, come in. I know you're ruining my life whatever, you know, come back. Yeah. And when it leaves, it's like, well, see you next time. Right. But when you really make apathy uncomfortable by talking about it, by talking to yourself about it, by, by, by crying it out, Hey, you know, having prayers about your apathy, you know, these things help to make the apathy itself less comfortable with you. And maybe it will stop coming as much. Maybe it won't feel as welcome anymore. And you will start to understand that you do have power over your apathy. And so I wanted to end with this one thing, which is stagnation is the death of all good things. So if you stop moving your body, if you stop stretching, if you stop exercising, you will start to atrophy and get old. You just, you know, you're less prone to healing. Like, let's say you fall. I think I've talked about this before. I fall all the time. And I don't really get hurt that much because I fall all the time and I stretch every day. So my body's kind of prepared for that stuff. I get kicked a lot. I'm a dad with kids and we wrestle a lot. I just got elbowed in the face yesterday. All this stuff, I bounce back relatively quickly for most things, even twisting my ankle all the time, which would most likely result in a sprain or a strain. I It doesn't really happen because my ankles have kind of gotten used to it by now, right? So to stretch is fundamentally important and to move your body to your physical health, to learn new things constantly is essential to having a, a focused, strong mind. They've associated things like Alzheimer's and you know neurodegenerative diseases with a lack of activity. 
it's easy to lose your memory if you stop using your mind. Your heart is the same thing. So just movement, momentum. And so when you're apathetic and you don't want to do anything, well, if you've already pre-committed in your heart to at least talk about your apathy, to at least work on it in some way, shape, or form, then what you're doing is you're going through the process of making apathy aware of the fact that it is not your friend and you do not want it around. So anyway, this is already longer than I expected, so I'm going to back out now. I'm going to, I'm going to end this, but I just wanted to start the conversation about apathy. I really do think it's something that we need to grapple with and understand better as a society because it is too easy to fall into. There's apathy puddles everywhere and we step on them and they get all over us and they kind of linger. So yeah, let's, if you have any questions about this or you have any comments or you, any insights you'd like to add, please let me know and we'll do it. We'll do this part two at a later date, apathy part two. Thank you, everybody, and I'll see you in the next episode.